This is the Blue and Gold Report, a podcast by Murray State University and the Hudson School of Agriculture at Murray State. Yep, Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. It's a weekly um, agricultural television show. So U.S. Farm Report airs on about 175 local TV stations across the country, coast to coast. Um, and then we also air on RFD TV. Um, and then you can watch us online, too. And I did find out that actually, if you're in Canada, which we are far away from there, <laughs> but if you are in Canada, we also air on a local station in Canada awesome. as well. Awesome. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Well, that's a lot of fame for you, right? Uh, oh, my gosh. Even being featured in Canada, you might get a, <laughs> might get a dig at Canadian bacon around there. So, uh, so you talked about, so tell us a little bit about what you're kind of doing here today, and then we're going to touch into some of the things you kind of talked about today, too. Yeah, well, I, we were excited. Uh, you know, each year, Soybean Promotion Day, a big day here at, at Murray State, um, and definitely for the Hudson School School of Agriculture. And so whenever they, they asked us to be a part of it, uh, you know, kind of we, we rolled out this agenda. Well, that was over two years ago, because uh, last year we didn't get to have the event mm-hmm. uh, because of, of the pandemic, of course. So this year, really just being able to be here, not only have a live taping, of the show, but also talk about some of the issues that are most pressing for farmers today. I mean, you talk to a farmer today and they will tell you there's more uncertainty today than we had like during the height of the trade war when farmers were really saying, I just, I don't even know, you know, is China going to come in to buy? Prices were really depressed. Well, now we're at a time where you don't even know if you're going to be able to source the inputs that you need to get a crop in the ground. There's just so much uncertainty. So from land values to input prices uh, to commodity markets, we were able to talk about it all, but we kicked everything off with a live taping of U.S. Farm Report, which will air this coming weekend on the show. Very excited for that and and featuring some of Kentucky agriculture's best, but we're also focused on the recent tornado. So right after the the tornado hit, I started seeing images. I mean, just gut-wrenching images online. So immediately made some phone calls, got a story up, actually was able to embed Commissioner Coral's post about here's how you can donate, and really just tried to raise awareness about not only how the tornado impacted Kentucky, but specifically how it impacted Kentucky agriculture. I mean, you turned on the national news and you saw this tornado, and you know a lot of it talked about the the the, the um, you know the, the deaths unfortunately that we saw and the candle factory. There was a lot of talk about the candle factory. And the more I looked and the more I called, I realized that agriculture took a big hit in this state. And so uh, we're able now that it's been more than a month since that a horrific tornado happened, kind of give an update and talk about still, if you want to help, there are still recovery efforts underway, still a long road to recovery. And here's how you could help. And, and really, when you look at our, our viewers, it's a lot of farmers and ranchers, but it's a lot of people just in rural America who love to help other people and so hopefully we can shine light on that this weekend too yeah and you you kind of touched on it earlier too but you you even talked about it in the recent in that question you said there's a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. well you know being a Kentucky resident it was a lot to see that some people like Mayfield they got a lot of helpers like to the point that they didn't even know if they needed that much yeah. anymore they got to the point like we we've got all we need and it was overwhelming and I think with that uncertainty it also gives you a certainty that there is hope for a society that you know Deal with a lot of uncertainty. You talked yeah. about you talked about earlier, like farmers with that you can't even miss it at a gas station. They just want to talk about it. Yeah, I and mean, now it's you know we've we switched kind of tides. You know, farmers fields. I got, I got the opportunity to help uh, a couple weeks ago clean up a farmers field. Um, actually, um, 
one of the farmers that spoke today. Uh, it was his film in, in no Bremen, way. Kentucky, yeah. and we got to help comb through his field and help mm -hmm. pick that up stuff up. And it's a lot of hope just to see so many people bringing truckloads of things. Yeah. I mean, I know through FFA, FFA chapters in Texas and in Florida and through Georgia, all drove up here trailer loads to Kentucky to drop it off to FFA chapters. Yeah. And it gives you a lot of hope. It does restore hope. I mean, you look at, you know, you talk to anyone today and there's a lot of challenges. I mean, you turn on the news and what do you see? Negativity after negativity after negativity. It's inflation. It's, I mean, it's, it's so much right now. <laughs> but you don't have to go far in rural America. And while you would never want tragedy to bring that to life, you know, unfortunately, tragedy struck here in mid-December in Kentucky. And you're right. There are so many positive stories because in, in, in rural America, that's what we do, right? Yep. And it's others helping others. And, you know, you would never want to be in that instance. And unfortunately, I've, I've had to interview some other people that had have been impacted by the tornado. And there's little things you don't think about. Like the amount of time it takes. Let's say you raise cattle. You raise dairy cattle. You have to walk every inch of the field to make sure debris, nails, all these little things. I mean, literally finding like a needle in a haystack. That's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it takes like an army of people to walk together to be able to clean up yeah. these fields. And you think about when something, you know, a tornado touches down and hits one or two locations i mean just how massive and just how the duration of the of the tornado and the cleanup efforts i mean it's it's overwhelming and i cannot imagine people that are trying to still clean up today uh you know what they're going through but if we can shine some light not only on how others can help but also that grit and that resilience and that compassion that so many are showing right now everyone especially coming out of the pandemic there's so much negative negativity you're, you yearn for a good story. Yeah. And right here in Kentucky is a perfect example. There are plenty of positive stories that are coming from such heartache. So let's kind of talk about the positive story of you. Yeah. Now you started in FFA. I mean, mm -hmm. I know you and I talked about it a little before. Mm -hmm. We kind of had similar starts. 16-year-old yep. getting SAE and it was in broadcasting. Me was mm -hmm. kind of radio podcast, things like that. So talk a little about how you how you're starting agriculture yeah. and then kind of that path that you talked about just a little bit of go downstairs, <laughs> how that kind of formed you into where you are today yeah I'm not a I'm not a farm kid uh, now I say in my you know if you read my bio it says you know agriculture is is rooted deep in her blood and it is my 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 granddaddy uh, raised cotton in the in the middle of Texas and in, in the Texas panhandle got tired of irrigating cotton in the middle of the night moved to Missouri when my dad was in middle school still raise cattle still have row crops my mom's side of the family uh, my um, grandma and grandpa didn't farm but all of, like there's quite a few that on my mom's side of the family farm and so you know I'd always been on the farm I'd helped on the farm I'd done that but I'm not a farm kid and it wasn't until high school my dad's an ag teacher and I, I got into FFA in order to, to please him right if you want the way to my dad's heart I thought it was getting into FFA and I did it for that reason well I just I loved it I loved agriculture and just kind of grew a passion for it and um, started broadcasting as you mentioned like yourself at, at 16 and then that kind of took off and decided to major in agricultural journalism I did after college I actually got out of television got out of broadcast um, kind of just that's that's where my path took me got into communications and kind of more of the PR field thought that I would never get back into television because it's really they tell they say that once you go into PR you can't get back into TV right it's yeah. like that when you're in broadcast and when you're a journalist that's like that that sense Right. Mm -hmm. You drink the Kool-Aid and you can't get back in. But what I found was it's kind of like a bicycle. Like if you love it and you're in it and you're meant to be a journalist, you're meant to be a, a broadcaster, you may get out of it for five years. But getting back in, it may take a little bit of a curve to get back in and get yeah. comfortable. But it's like a bicycle. You figure it out and you get back in kind of to the to the groove of things. And that's exactly what happened. So I got out of broadcast for about five years and then got back into it. Um, it'll be um, actually this month, the end of this month. 
January 30th will be my um, 10-year anniversary at Farm Journal wow. Television. So wow. 10 years seems like a long time. It seems like a short time. I mean, it, sometimes it seems like it's been 20. Sometimes it seems like it's been five. You know, a lot has changed in, in 10 years, but it's been a it's been a fun ride. A busy ride, but a fun ride starting out as a reporter and then taking over as host of U.S. Farm Report in October of 2014. And you've also talked about one of your favorite titles, and that's being a mom. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. Yep. So I have two little girls. Uh, they are 15 months apart. I would not advise anyone <laughs> to try that, okay? It is in the beginning. I mean, I'm glad they're so close now, but in the beginning, um, you know, I basically for my viewers, they thought I was pregnant for like basically three years straight, you know? And so... Uh, once the once I had had both girls, you know, I was traveling. My youngest, when she was eight weeks old, and my oldest was 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 one year old. And my husband, uh, we had no family in South Bend, Indiana, where we were, and so he held down the fort. And um, it wasn't easy. And a lot of times, I would try to cut my trips as short as possible, which means a lot of time, uh, kind of you know, you you pack a lot into a short amount of time. Uh, but you know, we make we look back and 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 you make it work. You always make it work. But in 2019, decided to move back home, closer to family, so move back from um, we. We lived in South Bend, Indiana at the time, moved back to Missouri in 2019. And my husband um, says to this day, that's the best decision we've ever made. Now, I thought the best decision that he's ever made was marrying me. But apparently <laughs> it's number two on the list, I guess. I'm not sure. But anyway, we moved back in uh, January of 2019. And, and I love it because, um, you know, I, I always want to make sure I have a pulse uh, on, on what our viewers are living, what their challenges are, what their opportunities are. Recently, I saw on network TV, um, someone get, got asked the question, okay, so do you feel like your coverage is out of touch with the majority of the, of the population? And it was over their, their coverage of, of the pandemic because it was so extreme, right? Like everything. And um, this individual said, you know, recently, actually, I think we have been because if you go out into the middle of the country, um, you know, what we're talking about is not what's happening in the middle of the country. Sure, maybe it's happening in New York, maybe it's happening in LA, but in the middle of the country, that's not what's happening. And so, um, you know, while some people in the pandemic, if you never left your office, you know, your house or your office and you really didn't have a pulse of what's going on, um, it could be a challenging to figure out exactly what matters most to our viewers, which at the end of the day is farmers and ranchers in rural America. And while there are a lot of things I can do, I can do better. Uh, and in my job, you know, you, you can always be better. You can always approve upon what you do. Um, never once have I questioned if I understand what matters most to farmers and ranchers because uh, living in the middle of rural America, I cannot go to the grocery store. I can't pump gas. I can't go anywhere without, you know, knowing exactly what farmer, what's on farmers and ranchers' minds because they tell me. And that's something that I never want to do without. I lived in a kind of a, a quote-unquote city. South Bend's not that big. But I wasn't in the middle of rural America. It has a big college. It does so. have a big college. Not a big population but a, 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 at that college, but a big, po a, a, a big college. Um, but now living where, you know, there's like 800 people in our whole town. My girls go to school, and there's 20 kids in their entire class. And when I say entire class, that's their grade, you know. So it's a, it's a big shift. Um, but it's been good because, um, you know, there's some of these rule values that you sometimes Sometimes if you move move somewhere, um, you can become out of touch really quickly. And I've learned if there's one thing I never want to do is become out of touch with really what matters to rural America. Because at the end of the day, that's exactly why we do what we do. Yeah. And so lastly, uh, just I want to hear a little bit about what you have to say. Uh, maybe it's the students here. Yeah. Uh, maybe seeking out their dream careers. Yeah. 
uh, and maybe even those that are listening that maybe are looking out for still for their dream careers as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I look back and, you know, I graduated in 2008. And for some people living, listening to this podcast, they're going to think that was a century ago, right? Because here we are in 2022. Um, but for some, they may say, well, that's not that that's not that long ago. But I look about just kind of my, my short career um, after college that, I, that I've been able to have so far. And there's one thing I've learned is never stop until you find your calling. Now, what you think is going to be your dream job, maybe is not actually your dream job once you get into it. And that's the beauty of internships. You can really, you know, figure out exactly what you want to do and what your calling is. But if, if you're in a job where it is just mentally exhausting, hard, and I'm not talking hard work because everything, you it, all, all jobs require hard work. And I think that's what makes us so great in agriculture is we know exactly what hard work is. You don't have to tell us to put in the work. We just, it's second nature to us, right? So I'm not talking hard work, but I'm talking it is draining. Like you physically don't even know how you're going to get up and go to your job because you just cannot get the task done because it's, it's, it's just so hard to complete A, B, C, or D then I don't think you found your calling. And I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'd gotten out of broadcast for, for quite a few years and going back in, I didn't know if it was doable, but you know, I got back into the groove and I realized, yeah, this is exactly what I'm, what I'm meant to do. And so it's not like every day I wake up and say, oh my gosh, this is the best job in the world. You know, I love what I do. And my husband asked me the other day, he said, well, what would you want to do if you're not hosting US Farm Report? I don't have an answer. I love what I do. But at times, it being on the road all the time, you know, it, it can be it can be exhausting, but it's rewarding. And I know that no matter what happens, I've had the opportunity to really find my calling in life. And, you know, if you're listening and you're trying to figure out exactly what you can do, there are so many opportunities in agriculture right now. So it has been an absolute pleasure to be here at Murray State University this week. You know, I've heard a lot of great things about Murray State. I was in Sigma Alpha in college. They always had a strong chapter. I've, I've known some people that graduated from Murray State University. And I've heard some wonderful things, but being here, uh, being here in person, I can see why, because really it's obvious that the staff, the faculty really care about the students. And it's just like today, bringing us in and saying, hey, Tyne, can you stick around and talk to our students for a while? There's some of those that you will learn. And thankfully, because of the amazing connections that you have from your leaders here at Murray State University, uh, the sky's the limit really yeah. when it comes to opportunities in agriculture and well yeah if you're graduating soon it's kind of a, a a different time not every corporation's back open and things are moving remote you know there's always opportunity and so now geography may not always be a limitation when it comes to some of these jobs that you can experience and, and to me that's exciting agriculture is exciting and we've just had the best time at murray state university and i appreciate the hospitality because uh, really they have rolled out the red carpet and for me i am extremely grateful um, in agriculture we we go to a lot of places and that's the best part about agriculture is you meet some of the best of the best well i can tell you here at murray state university we definitely met some of the best there are in agriculture and so um, i'm just extremely grateful that we got to got to be here this week I might be a little biased, but I, I would agree the same. We got some of the best, especially in Dr. Brandon and all of the staff that we uh, have We have here. I well, will I sing Dr. Brandon's praises, okay? He is the best. He is, and, and if, if, if. Top tier. Oh, he is the best. And he's just, he's so in touch uh, and, and really in, in thinking also outside of the box, you know, and really the Soybean Promotion Day, it seems like it's been successful for all of these years because he is so in tune for exactly what would bring value to, to, to farmers here in Kentucky. So a big thanks to everyone here this week. And we want to thank you for, for joining us here on the podcast and joining us at the Soybean Promotion Day. Again, we're closing out here with Tyne Morgan uh, with the U.S. Farm Report here at the Soybean Promotion Day at Murray State University. Here is now a word from our Dean of Agriculture, Dr. Tony Brannan, who will talk a little bit about some ways that you can help with the Western Kentucky Tornado Relief. 
As we all know, the event of December the 10th and 11th, the tornadoes came through our area, uh, left a path of destruction uh, wide and long. And it definitely affected farms and agriculture throughout our region and even Murray State agriculture students. So in conjunction with a farmer appreciation grant that we've got with the Kentucky Department of Agriculture, Murray State University Agriculture is starting a Let's Grow It Back campaign. And it's a regional agriculture disaster relief fund. We're using it as a supplement to the Kentucky Farm Bureau, the Kentucky Department of Agriculture, and the Cooperative Extension Service uh, Relief Fund that's been set up through the Kentucky Farm Bureau Education Foundation. So anyone wanting to contribute to this effort and maybe make monetary donations uh, is invited to uh, make checks to the Kentucky Farm Bureau Education Foundation and uh, denote MSU Regional Agriculture Relief Fund in the four line of the check uh, or county uh, or, or uh, MSU for where they want the money to go. It can go to either and they will designate that and send it back to the county of choice or for impacted Murray State University agriculture students. The address to send that to is D D Drew Graham, Executive Vice President of Kentucky Farm Bureau Federation, 9201 Bunsen Parkway, Louisville, Kentucky, 40220. Uh, and if you need any further information, you can consult our website or talk to myself or any member of our, of our staff. Again, you need to make the checks to the Kentucky Farm Bureau Education Foundation and put MSU Regional Ag Relief Fund in the memo line. Here's some other news, events, and other things taking place in the Hudson School of Agriculture. The Hudson School of Agriculture Career Fair will be February 2nd, Wednesday at 9 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. For a listing of companies attending on February 2nd, you can check your email or visit Handshake for the Hudson School of Agriculture Career Fair. Be sure to bring your Murray State ID to the Career Fair for check-in as well as plenty of resumes. Professional dress and masking are required. Students will not be allowed to enter the Career Fair in jeans or any other inappropriate clothing. Don't forget that your Murray State University General Scholarship application is due February 7th at 4.30 p.m. Make sure to get that scholarship in for opportunities to help you fund the next years of your college. If you've not been able to pick up your KN95 masks, you can pick up those in the Hudson School of Agriculture Dean's Office or at any of your residential college desks. Thank you for listening to the Blue and Gold Report. You can find each new episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Check back in each Friday for a new episode and make sure to follow us on social media at MSU Agriculture. As always, go Racer Aggies!